Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. Happy Thanksgiving week to everybody here. I hope you guys are having a good time out there, seeing your families and, uh, you know, spreading COVID to your Meemaw and your Peepaw. I don't know if Peepaw is a word. Uh, it feels like that's the inverse of Meemaw, but I mean, I could. I guess I could have Googled this before I started the intro, but it's too late now. Today on the show, we're talking about Glenn Foley, New York Jets quarterback. Glenn Foley and my man, he had a great career. You know, anybody in the NFL, I guess, has a good career. But really, the point of this is to provide some solace to Jets fans right now. I mean, you guys are just going through it. I do hope you get Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, you have a dog shit team right now, but maybe he pulls it out for you. In the coming years, but you know, Godspeed to our Jets fans out there. Thanks for being with us. Our guest on the show, a Jets fan, Gary Denoya, my friend, a very funny comedian from New York. We'll get to him later. Uh, there is some bad audio in the episode today. Something to look forward to out there, guys. Some crappy audio. I'm still figuring out uh, how to do remote podcasts where it doesn't sound like I'm having phone sex with Alexander Graham Bell. Which is to say, I haven't figured it out. I don't know what to say, everyone. It's a free podcast. Get off my ass. If you want to still support the show, we, of course, appreciate that. There's a couple ways to do it. Number one, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to me on now. Number two, if you have iTunes or Apple Podcast, rate it five stars and write a review for the show. And number three, go to my website, erichelwig.com, where you can hop on my newsletter. That's enough business, everybody. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the holidays, hopefully, with your families. Everybody stay safe, and uh, let's get it going. This is Bringing the Backups with Eric Helwig. Glenn Foley, Glenn Foley, Glenn Foley, Glenn Foley. Could Glenn Foley's name sound less like a quarterback and more like someone trying to sell you a used car? Glenn Foley on the episode today. 50-year-old man from Woburn, Massachusetts. Went to Boston College. Played high school, though, in New Jersey. We're going to get into all of his career stuff. You know, that's great. Glenn Foley, he's our guy today. Jets fans. I mean, my God, could we need a, a, to be around a group of people and circle and fill a fan base's life with love more? Woo! Holy shit, you guys suck. So we're going to give you some positive Glenn Foley action today on the podcast. Also, a little bit later, uh, my buddy Gary Denoya is our guest. Very funny uh, comedian, you can check out all of his work on Instagram at his uh, on his page at Paradenoia, P A R A D E N O I A, Paradenoia. But we'll we'll do all the proper intro stuff later. Let's get to my life for a little bit. I know I know I told you guys I'd be uh, I was in the Outer Banks last time I recorded, you know, and I was like I'll be in my father's basement for the next episode. But change of plans. Now I'm in. Uh, a family member's living room in Long Island, New York. See, what's happening is is the wife and I, we, we're just trying to see everybody and all the, you know, pandemic, COVID stuff, all those things are changing, like the protocol to go see people. So we're just like kind of playing it by ear. So I have no idea where I will be the next time I record this podcast. I could be anywhere in the world. 
Where in the world is the guy that hosts a shitty podcast? I could be anywhere. Let me think. Where If I record this in two weeks, where would I be? I, I could be in Massachusetts. That's possible. I might be in Virginia. I could be in Maryland. I don't know. There's a lot of places. There's a lot of places. I mean, all of our family is scattered to the wind, but the winds have stayed on the East Coast, basically. So we got a lot of states to cover here. So, yeah, we're just a moving care of, We're just a partridge family. Me, my wife, and my dog, who's sleeping through this podcast right now. He's on the couch. I don't know if he's allowed to be on the couch in this house, though. The thing about my dog, he's so cute. People are like, yeah, no dogs on the couch. And then he hops up on the couch and licks their face, and they're like, all right, we'll let him. He's good like that. He's a big-headed pit bull. You guys know him. Gordon's the name. How? Look, three minutes for me to talk about the fucking dog. Jeez. I'm becoming one of those people that won't shut up about their dog. Hopefully I'm just getting it out now so by the time I have a kid, I I won't give as much of a shit and I won't annoy people. So I'll annoy you with the dog and I'll, I'll let it lie with the kid when that happens. If that happens. When? Come on. Let's get real. Gonna have a kid. What? This is America. Going to have some kids, seven minimum. Can my wife hear this? She wouldn't like hearing that. All right, let's get into it. I have celiac disease. Woo, woo, found that out. Celiac disease. Put your hands in the air if you can't eat bread. I have celiac disease. It sucks. Just found out. You guys know celiac disease, right? That's like where you have to have the the gluten-free diet. But that's, of course, not the professional way to say it the medical way. Celiac disease, to my experience, is an immune disorder where your friends call you gay for eating salad at a bachelor party. So that's what I have. I have all your friends call you a pussy when they see you drinking White Claw on a Zoom poker night. Playing Zoom poker with my friends, everybody's drinking beer, and somebody goes, Eric, what are you drinking? Like they saw the can, and I I really, uh, you know, because I was up in the game, I had the urge to just leave the call. Like I knew what was coming. I'm like White Claw. So, you know, they bro out for 20 minutes on me drinking White Claw, and then I'm like, yeah, I have celiac disease, motherfuckers. And then all of a sudden, it's not so funny. Yeah, all of a sudden, me having a delicious pineapple White Claw makes a little more sense. And yes, I could have drank whiskey, but I'm new to this, all right? So I'm trying the new stuff. That's how I've been coping. Because here's the deal. like They literally told me I have celiac disease as I'm leaving. As I'm leaving to go across the country. And they're like, don't stop eating gluten because you need to come back. We have to like do that thing where they, I don't know, people have told me like they put like a ring gag in your mouth and they knock you out. And they put something through your throat all the way down to your intestine and give you like a biopsy. And then you wake up from it later. So I have to have that procedure done at some point, which uh, sounds horrible. But until they do that, they don't want me to completely stop eating gluten because they want to see what my stomach looks like when I'm on a gluten diet. So they were like, enjoy your gluten while you're home. A last hurrah. Like, one last time with pizza. Like that's what I do. I sing one last time from Hamilton every time I eat a fucking bagel now. One last time. Because I'm, like, smearing cream cheese on an everything egg bagel. Come on, have a bagel with me. One last time. Bunch of liberals crying as Obama watches with a tear in his eye. You know, that's how I've been eating all of my <laughs> carbs 
and wheat. What is it like wheat and barley? I don't even I don't even know what gluten is. I thought it was fake. I thought it was a thing that actors do in Hollywood when they have to be shirtless on camera. They go gluten free. Okay, I didn't realize spaghetti can kill you, all right? But apparently, it's killing me, and I have to never eat it again. Although, I will say, the first thing I did when I found out I have celiac disease, I Googled cures for celiac disease. They're in phase three of a lactate pill, but it would be for celiac disease. So I think at some point in my life, after January, where I have to fully go gluten-free, I think at some point I'll, I'll have pizza again. I mean, I guess I can have gluten-free pizza or whatever, and... You know, I live in L.A. where when I'm there, half the food is gluten-free just for the fat of it. But who knows? Oops, someone's calling. It's my doctor. She's like, stop talking shit about gluten. Knock it off. This is serious stuff. That phone's going to ring, by the way, to the extent to which they have the answering machine here set because person who owns his house is not here. That's why I'm doing the podcast now because I have an hour. So no one's going to pick it up. No, you know, my wife's not going to pick up a phone ringing in a house that's not hers. So it's just going to go and go and go. This is see, this is part of the problem of not having a home base when you're doing a podcast. Like I'm, 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 I'm literally recording my podcast for the last two weeks. Like I'm in the Vietnam War. Like I'm just like in trenches, radioing back. Like we need air support. Like that's how I've been doing this. Oh, my God, is the answering machine even set up? I might have to. Hang on, guys. Hey, hey, Liz. All right, I think we're good. I don't even know if you guys could hear the phone ringing. You might not even be able to hear it. So, so you literally think I'm going crazy, but I swear to God there was a phone ringing if it's not getting picked up by the mic. Anyway, look, we got to get into Glenn Foley here. I've been, I've been babbling about celiac disease for far too long. But before we get to Glenn Foley, uh, something I want to talk about, all right? You know, we're away from home right now, and uh, a lot of these quarterbacks— I I hate doing intros to the bits that I've already done, okay? You guys know the bit. It's Letters Home from the Bench. Just listen to it and enjoy it, all right? Bring in the Backups presents Letters Home from the Bench. September 30th, 2010. A.J. Feely writes— Dearest Therese, I commit to paper, to you, my fears on the eve of battle with the devilish buccaneers from the Baywaters of Tampa. I will not obstruct the truth of my innermost consternation. Our starting quarterback, Samuel Joseph Bradford, has the resiliency of an over-ripened, rotten Georgia peach. Should he fall... Twill be I that must engage in Donnybrook with the Tampa Bay Cover 2 defense, which shows no goodwill to men like myself. Tomorrow makes me in remembrance think of Lofa Tatupa, shepherding me to his woodshed. Know that this expression of qualm will not mark me a deserter, nay. It is an exorcism of dread and a means to conquer trepidation, so I can serve my men on the field. I wonder if some of you are listening to this. Like, we get the fucking bit. Can you come up with some new shit to do, Eric? But for right now, that's one of the strongholds of the show. 
is this letters home from the bench. You guys like the one I did last week where uh, my wife and I fought. No one to Holcomb, uh, episode five. Uh, head on back when you're done with this episode. Don't pay attention to your family, your wife, your kids. Listen to my podcast. Get all of them out of the way. There's only six. And last week's was a quick one, only 40 minutes because I didn't interview anybody. But I did this show. I interviewed my friend Gary. He's a Jets fan. And that's because Glenn Foley's the quarterback. All right. I wanted to give him a Jet to talk about. First off, let's start with those Jets uniforms. Now, the Jets did their switchover. They had their old green jerseys with just a straight green, you know, with the crappy uniforms that are like, it looks like little kids iron them on right before they played, all the lettering and the names. And then they switched to like dark green, which I hated during Foley's time. So half of his career highlights are going to be in the, the new, quote unquote, the newer Jets uniforms that came out in 97 or 98, I believe. Uh, but the old ones, I mean, he looks good in that bright green. I love that. And I, I love when the Jets went back to that uniform, uh, I think, two years ago. I think it looks good. Some people hate the new Jets uniforms. I think they're pretty tight. Did I just say tight? I think it's fine. I think I can pull it off. Yeah, but the Glenn Foley era of football with the Jets, he was there for 94 to 98. He was a seventh-round pick out of Boston College. I did watch some of Foley's Boston College stuff. Had a huge upset of Notre Dame at Notre Dame with the Boston College Eagles. I love it. What There's nothing better in sports than a college football upset. I'm saying it. Some people are like, what? I'm like, shut up. I'm right. It's the best. It's the best. Give me App State at Michigan. Give me one of those a year. I'm happy as a football fan. All right? That's what I love. The underdog wins. So Glenn Foley delivered that in 1993 for the Boston College Eagles. Good for them. Good for him. Still got drafted in the seventh round, which means, you know, he's a noodle arm son of a bitch. But he still got in the NFL. I'll give you his career st- stats right now. He's 12, for, uh, 12 touchdowns, 16 interceptions for 2,469 yards and a sweet passer rating of 67.2. So... Getting in there. This is all, uh, usually I'm kind of like I will read stats of a quarterback and then try to remember them later on. But I'm reading this straight off the Wikipedia. So you know it's reliable. Actually, you don't know it's reliable because Wikipedia is not reliable at all. I know it's not reliable because I edit Wikipedia pages all the time. In fact, every quarterback that's been on the show so far, I've edited their Wikipedia page to say they were on my show as if, not on my show. They were spoken about on my show. I put it in the – I make like a little thing that says like in media, <laughs> which is – to consider this part of media is very funny, but good. I mean I'm allowed to do that, right? I mean that's what Wikipedia is about. I'm allowed to say that this is a popular culture show. But yeah, Wikipedia is not reliable at all. And I still want to say, by the way, early in the show, I had fans that were going into Wikipedia pages and editing – the the bios of players based on things I was saying, please continue to do so. That was highly encouraged and remains so. But getting back to Glenn Foley, one in seven as a starter. Sweet, sweet one in seven. I think that we had a I think Cleo Lemon was one in seven too. He was our episode three quarterback. One in seven seems like a sweet spot for for guys getting in and out of the league in five years. Foley has two games that are, are, are worth mentioning. He played a really good game for the opener of the 98 season. He was the starter in 1998 under a Bill Parcells Jets. 
And the Jets lose at San Francisco opening day, but he plays pretty well. He plays solid in that game, puts up good numbers. And then there was the game that he came in relief. I want to say it's week seven or week eight in the season before, 1997. I know some Jets fans might remember this. Glenn Foley, 14 straight completions. I mean, why does this guy not have a multi-year contract after that? 14 straight completions leads the Jets to a comeback victory off the bench. Who he was replacing? I don't know. Do I care? What do you think? I don't give a shit. Glenn Foley. Hey, you know, that's a solid career to me. He got traded to the Seahawks in 99. Looks like he was, according to Wikipedia, he was released in a cost-cutting move during the Seahawks' final cuts before the 2000 season. All right. Take their word for it. And then he played uh, for the New Jersey Gladiators, which was an arena football league for 2002. I have his uh, arena league stats here, too. Four for nine for 41 yards and an interception. In arena football. I'm pretty sure if you just, like, sneeze while quarterbacking in arena, they give you credit for 80 yards and five touchdowns. Like, it's it's built it's built to be like an arcade game. So, four for nine for 41 yards with an interception. Not very good for Glenn Foley. But he has been, uh, I guess, active after he got out of uh, football. It looks like he was coaching a little bit. He's got some brothers. He's got some kids. This is the worst podcast ever. This is how I'm summing it. He's got, he's, he's got this thing. He's got that. But it's like all just vague. I don't know. Go to the Wikipedia page yourself. You'll see it. My my guest, I've already done the interview with Gary. I just completed it. Now I'm doing this part. But I know he will mention later on he thinks Glenn Foley has CTE. Which is at this point, I mean, I'm I'm six episodes in. It's just let's just say it's safe to say everybody I talk about on this podcast suffering from CTE. That's pretty much. There's one thing that this podcast is. It's kind of funny and totally revealing of how fucked up the NFL policy is on just kind of cutting players loose after they're all messed up. So yeah, I, full full endorsement here. When you step on a football field, it should be like uh, the army. Like you know, they should just cover your benefits. You know, after that, I think that's reasonable. They have enough money to do it. And, and by the way, if anybody comments that I'm comparing football to war, you, you can just go fuck yourself right now. That's not what I'm saying. All right. I'm saying football's harder. <laughs> Come at me. I'm kidding. I, 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 res- I shouldn't even have to say I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm serious. I meant it fully. 100%. Is my father here? My father would love that. 24 years in the Army. I'm sure he'd like to hear me uh, jokingly suggest that throwing a 20-yard throwing a out route is the same thing as <laughs> watching your friends die in a war. I'm sure he'd appreciate that level of comedy. I can't tell, based on this Wikipedia page, where Glenn Foley is, though. They're saying like he's lived in Maryland, but then he has a job where he's in Pennsylvania at Valley Forge Military Academy. I don't know. It seems like, and then he also worked for a radio station in Philly. I so he sounds like a Jersey Philly guy to me. That's he also when I he literally sounds like one too because you can look up some YouTube clips of him shitting on quarterbacks. And I say shitting on quarterbacks because usually when you hear 
ex-quarterbacks talking sports on people's shows and stuff. Like, they're, they're kind of deferential, and they're like, eh, you know, it's a tough game. I saw Brett Favre talking about Carson Wentz, and he's like, you know, I'm going to put it all, I'm going to say that it's like the personnel, and, you know, they're struggling to mesh right now. You know, like, they don't, they never want to go too hard because they're looking for that broadcaster job. Glenn Foley is barking fire when he criticizes quarterbacks. I'm not kidding. I saw him talk about Carson Wentz. He's like, this guy is a dipshit. This guy sucks. I hate him as a person. He's dumb. So is Doug Peterson. Fire them all. That's how he talks. <laughs> he holds nothing back. Glenn Foley is, he's the fire starter. Remember that song? I'm not going to sing it. I will. I am a fire starter. I don't know what that's in. It's probably like got a deep meaning that I don't understand because I that song was around when I was nine. Yeah, but Foley holds pulls no punches. All right, we're at the time of the show where I'm going to play another bit. And I, like I said, I'm I'm done trying to intro these bits naturally. I'm not doing it anymore. Okay, it's just I I almost wanted to interrupt my train of thought, but I won't do that this time. I'm I'm just going to straight up play it. So enjoy the pre-planned bit. Welcome back for another edition of On This Day in Backup History. Today we go to Jacksonville, the only city to elect an alligator as the mayor for a backup quarterback. When six foot seven Mike Glennon was signed by the Jaguars in early 2020, reporters asked the general manager about the move. Freaks, the general manager said. I like tall six foot seven freaks that die of giganticism in their early 40s. It makes me feel like a god. Now take me to your alien Christ. Turns out the GM in Jacksonville is actually a homeless guy named Turtle that lives under the stadium. I'd like to apologize to anybody offended by that bit. I fully support the homeless. I think we should give L.A. to the homeless. That would be my next policy proposal. If I was in charge of L.A., I would say... Burbank is now just a homeless city, and if you have a home, I would arm the homeless and say, have at it. Again, not a joke. I'm not kidding. I meant it. Oh, boy. This show is still going. I feel I, I feel like it's going pretty good. We, By the way, I know I've been saying it every single podcast. The average podcast goes seven episodes. And, guys, this is our seventh episode. If I had a little button for an applause, I'd play it right now. Maybe I'll put it in post. I don't know. It feels corny if I put it in post and I'm saying it that it's in post, right? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter to you. The weird part would be me talking through the fact that I'm going to put it in. Maybe there'll be applause the entire time I'm doing it. Maybe that's what I'll do. Or maybe I'll leave it blank because I'm feeling kind of lazy and the podcast is a little makeshift right now. Because I don't know where I'll be in a day. The dog has fallen back asleep while he listens to me do the podcast. My wife has entered the room. She's not paying attention. Oh, no, she's paying attention a little bit. We had a fight this morning, but she doesn't want to talk about it. So I was going to leave it up to you guys who, who was wrong. I mean, I was wrong. I'm, here's a hint, guys. I'm always wrong, but we won't get into it. When you're traveling like the way we're traveling, it's like you can't have prolonged fights. You got to just say you're wrong when you're wrong. You know, and then that way, when you're right, you say, "Remember that time I said I was wrong." It's like it gives you credibility to admit when you're wrong. You can't fight every battle. 
You got to pick your battles. I invented that statement. <laughs> like that's my idea. Pick your battles, guys. Trademark that. Bring in the backups. First time it's been said. I like being on the road. I don't I don't mind the feeling at all. Like I said, it's for the billionth time. I was raised in a military family. I was in a new school every year till eighth grade. I'm used to living out of boxes. I'm used to having the car feel like more of a home than the actual place you live. So I'm I'm down with it. People are like, oh my God, that sounds so exhausting. I'm like, this is the only way I feel love is watching all my things get packed into a car and not knowing when I'm coming back. That is how I feel alive in this world. So I'm cool with it. And it's a little stressful. You know, there's there's changes that come every place you're staying. You know, you got to adjust a little bit. Like this place we're staying now, we're in the basement. But there's no windows in the room where we're sleeping. So, you know, depending on how sad you are, you can sleep for three days if you don't set an alarm. Like, it's not a joke. I I don't know if any – I've had an experience once in my life where when I moved to New York, I was squatting in this condemned building for a year. And for the first three months of that, I was in a closet, basically. I was in a room so small that when people later moved out and I took one of their rooms, I used my old room as my closet. And it was an interior room. It was illegally – they had uh, put up like 30 units inside of this factory floor that was – had like four bathrooms for people to share. And it really should have been like maximum seven people living there. And eventually it was down to that number. But when I moved in originally, it was 30. So it's like my my room is like – has enough size for a bed and a little dresser. And that's it. And it's in the middle of the room, so there's no there's a light, but when you turn the light off, no natural light comes in. So it's one of those situations. I just remember the first three months I was in New York, if my phone died, I missed whatever I had that day. I would just sleep through the entire day. You wake up, you don't know if it's 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. And that's a gnarly feeling. And I got to say, I was a little disappointed the first night we stayed here. I was like, oh, man, I know what this sleep feels like. I know... The way it feels to fall asleep in a room where there's zero natural light coming in. You sleep. It really is a mini death. But then first night, I didn't I did not sleep that well. I was upset. I was I was looking forward. It's a helplessness to fall asleep in a darkness that dark. You know, it's it's like it's I understand why some people can't come until they're getting choked out. Like it's really a feeling of you give yourself over to the night. We've had a lot of fun on episode six right now. I want to get to that interview. But before I do, I am going to intro this new bit. And I know I said I was done introing new bits. But everything I say on this podcast is licensed to change within the next five minutes I'm speaking. I have been telling you guys to go to my website, to write reviews for the podcast, to subscribe to my newsletter. All the things you can do to help this baby grow. And it gets a little annoying, to be honest. Not not that you're not doing it, because a lot of people are. And by the way, thank you to everybody who has done those things. But just, I don't like repeating myself all the time. Like, I feel like I'm just constantly harking on it. And it's a little annoying. So when I was at the beach, I got every single person in the house to record a promo for me. And I think that's going to be a new thing on the show. Instead of me telling you what I'd like you to do to support the podcast, I'm going to just annoy friends and family to do it for me. 
And so that's what I've done. And we have a new bit on the show. This is going to be, this one's staying because I feel so good about getting this part of the podcast out of my hands. So check it out and listen to the words of someone I love telling you why you should support the podcast. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to My Friends and Family Plug My Show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. I'm Eric's little sister. He told me not to use my name because he doesn't want any fans to harass his family. I don't think he has fans, though. I think Eric thinks he's more popular than he is. He showed me the stats for his podcast. There's not that many of you. Anyway, go to erichelwick.com to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. You can also get on his newsletter, which comes once every three months. Those are actually really fun. Just go to erichelwick.com. I don't even know he had a website, but you should really go. You know what's funny is as I was letting that play, I, I was looking at the references on Wikipedia, and one of the articles says, former Jets quarterback Glenn Foley is back from the darkness. Isn't that weird? Like, I just spent five minutes talking about the darkness. And then there's an article right here in front of me about that. I mean, I'm sure this is about his CTE, but, like, there's, there's something in – this is what makes me think there might be a higher power, okay? This is something my wife says that I like. There's not enough to make me believe – but enough to make me curious. I'm talking about the darkness. There's an article right in front of me about the guy we talked about in the podcast talking about the darkness. Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior? You should. <laughs> oh my! Wouldn't that be funny if that's what this show becomes, just a born-again show? And according to a lot of your Twitter profiles for the people that have uh, found the show on Twitter, you already have. The, uh, I'm, I'm in the minority Let's get to our guest. And I really am excited for the guy we had on the show this week, Gary DeNoia. I could talk forever about it, but I, when I moved to New York, I was 22 years old, out of college. I'd really not done comedy. I'd done, a, I'd done I think, two open mics. And I'd, been, I'd shot sketches with my friends, but it was literally the point like in college where I was paying for beer runs for a week just to like get someone to come over to my house to you know put a wig on or something. And I went to New York, and I just signed up for these classes. I started doing uh, stand-up and improv and acting. I just tried to do all of it at once. And Gary's one of the first people I met. I remember meeting him in a level two improv class, what must have been at least 12 years ago. And since then, we've performed a bunch and uh, you know become friends. And so I was really excited to have him on the show for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, One, just to catch up. Also, to be totally honest, I've been kvetching on this show for episodes now about doing the remote podcast. I was so nervous to mess it up. And I figured I should really do it with somebody who already barely respects me. <laughs> and so that's why I had Gary on. And sure enough, I messed up the first day. We recorded a 40-minute podcast yesterday that is completely not usable because of the way I recorded it. So we had to do it again today. Gary is uh, a very funny guy, a very good friend. And I know I mentioned before, please follow him on Instagram, Paradenoia, P-A-R-A-D-E-N-O-I-A. And uh, yeah, we had a great conversation. It was super fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's take some time and do that right now.
some people people were saying Carson Wentz has the yips right now, which I don't think is true. But I don't fun. think he has the yips. I think like he's always had the yips. He just sucks. He does suck, man. Dude, I, and he doesn't seem like a likable uh, guy in the locker room. Apparently, no, dude. Look, I have a lot of Philly fans on this podcast, and they will crucify me for saying it because I have the ultimate like drunk guy calling into a Philly sports show at two p.m. take. But Foles won the Super Bowl and made me hug my dad in the streets of Philadelphia. Why wasn't he the starter? Next? I don't understand that. Like it's it, it feels like I I, I I agree with that, man. Um, yeah. you, you don't mess with that. That was that was magic. Um, because you know I do those those uh, voiceovers like uh, I take old movie scenes and add Philly accents to them. So I was yeah yesterday morning watching the the Philly special, and Gary, just do the voice. We want to hear it. What the call? All right. Uh, hey Eric, what's going on? Uh, my name is Mark. I am from Fishtown. Don't hold it against me, you cocksucker. Uh, so, so I'm just calling in to talk about Glenn Foley, if you don't mind. Is that cool? Yeah. Before we get to Glenn, uh, what do you think about the Carson Wentz Nick Foles thing? How did how did you, how did how did that make you feel? Okay. Well, first off, I love Nicky Slicks. Great guy. Um, you know, he, Nick was my John. He he was a good dude. Carson Wentz. I don't know. He's from Montana. He's <laughs> likes to haunt. I think he's personally, you know, I don't think he's ever eaten a fucking cheesesteak in his life. If it wasn't a deer cheesesteak, you know, <laughs> there's a, um, this is, I might've told this on the podcast before. So forgive me listeners, if you're hearing this a second time, but when I was watching the Super Bowl, you know, Nick Foles is nickname in Philly, right? Big Dick Nick. Had you heard that? No. Okay. Oh, is it really Big Dick Nick? That's what we've been calling him for. Yeah, since the Super Bowl run. So, or I should say leading up to the Super Bowl. And then in the Super Bowl, I think it was Al Michaels goes, it's me, my dad, my brother, and my sister in a Philly bar. Like, we drove up to Philly to watch the Super Bowl. I I remember seeing pictures. Yeah, yeah, it was was awesome. (laughs) And Al Michaels goes, you know, they have a nickname for him in Philly. They call him Big Game Nick. And the whole (laughs) bar starts to boo and chant Big Dick Nick. And I was like, why even bother sanitizing it for the just don't say don't lie. I mean, I, I I would just love to sit with Eagles fans um during a Dallas uh, Eagles game with Troy Aikman calling because you know he's a homer, so he, he's always uh favoring the Cowboys when he's calling plays. But between him and Joe Buck, the stuff they would have to say would probably be hysterical. Just being in the living room with these people. Dude, the first episode of my podcast, I'm talking about my dad taking me to games in Philly. So we were like, we were reminiscing about some of the experiences. And this is when I was like seven or eight years old, when you could just get like a $5 ticket for the 700 section with the yellow seats. And my dad used this. I mean, it's, he'd go, when you get a ticket to a, a Philly game, you don't, you get the game you paid for, but if you sit high enough, you also get boxing and wrestling in your ticket because there's always fights. It's true. Didn't it just when they just oh, started go, letting, like at Lincoln Financial, didn't they just start letting letting people in? Especially, it's scary now because with social distancing, they're they're letting less people in, so there's less people to separate everyone when they're getting fight when they're fighting. So these, for the most part, people are just watching this fight happen because nobody yeah, wants man. to get too it's close. It's like to a real legit um, experience to go to a game in Philly, and I wish, I wish I could give people the experience of going there as a kid. There was just nothing that compares mid to late 90s Eagles or Phillies games. You just, the stuff you heard, it's a good city to be, to come out and be a comedian from because it's, 
whatever it's abusive and like abuse does make good comics i feel like i know that's a weird take to have but so much of my angst i think comes from watching grown men beat the shit out of each other in front of me and my father laughing maniacal laughter (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny you mention abuse because you know as a jets fan we're talking about glenn foley today at least you had some of these experiences i as a jets fan i i the games that I go to, I'm usually gone before the fourth quarter. This is one of the great things about, again, Philly sports. We stay to boo our team. That really is a cathartic experience. I, I recommend it to all fan bases. I recommend it to you. <laughs> well, it, it's like, oh, right, yeah. you're getting your money's worth. That old saying, like, when an umpire gets ejected from a game. And, uh, like, Pinella was was always the king of that tossing bases, kicking sands. Like, all right, if you're going to throw me out, I'm going to at least make it worth my while. So I totally understand that. I can't, like, and that's why I haven't been to a game in probably at least five, six years. Because what you're saying, you used to get a ticket for five bucks. Now, it's imagine if you had a family uh, to go to a, a football game, how expensive it is when you count food, parking, everything into it. It's like you might as well go on vacation. And now with, now with HD – like some of the you can see the blades of grass on the field so why would you know why would i go subject myself to that when i can be depressed from my couch <laughs> i just remembered a story i don't think i've ever told it but we have family in boston that is very wealthy and uh one time for my birthday why didn't you lead with that <laughs> i don't hear from them that often but this was back in college I got a call like three days before my birthday, which is October 14th. And that was the year the Yankees and the Red Sox were in the playoffs. So my family calls me from Boston and they're like, hey, you like baseball, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, would you want to come up to Boston for a playoff game? And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like the Yankees Red Sox game. Yeah. It's just, I don't know how I'm going to get up there. Like I have a crappy car. It's, you know, I'm in Southern Virginia. And they're like, we'll we'll fly you we'll fly you up, and I was like, okay. And what they meant, and he actually, uh, this is my uncle, flew a plane. Like he had like a little tiny plane. He flew it down. I guess he was like had just become a pilot and didn't tell anyone. Flew it down, picked me up in Newport News, flew me up to Boston. I don't remember what game it was, game three or four, but it was the game where Pedro threw down uh zimmer when he attacked him like the ball matador situation yes so talk about getting your money's worth i was like i remember because we walked down to the we had seats like up in the top but we walked down just to kind of like walk around the promenade or whatever during the game and we were down there in like whatever that was the seventh inning when like the whole fight happened and i'm standing like you you know there's like 30 rows of seats until me in the promenade like pointing and yelling but I watched the whole thing. Like I watched Don Zimmer come out, get mad, and charge at Pedro. And I'm like, are you watching this? <laughs> I remember like too, like it was such a I can remember the move vividly. It was just like a swift, he like grabbed him by the head and like turned his body. And Zimmer gets up and he's so confused <laughs> he doesn't know what happens. That's when for Yankees Red Sox games, they need someone like Jim Ross to call them, like wrestling announcers. Cause like when he tossed them down and like Zimmer just looked like Mortal Kombat style. I just want to hear Jim Ross be like, oh, stop the damn match. He killed him. Pedro Martinez killed the whole man. It's the same. It, it, it was the same feeling of like if you were at WrestleMania when Undertaker chokeslam man cage, man, mankind through the cage. Like, is that. Did you say of, man cage? Man cage. 
not a bad name. If he's, <laughs> if he's going to have a fourth character he comes out as, Man Cage would be a cool one. That's right. That would, yeah. Yeah, man, dude. And the the move that Pedro made, it's like the only kind of martial arts that Steven Seagal does, where it's like you just like kind of like move people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's just like Steven Seagal would always like slow motion, just catch the fist and like move it. <laughs> and the guy would wind up like driving his fist into a wall or something. Oh, my God. Have you watched any of the like new Steven Seagal movies like in the last eight years? They're out there. I do see them they're, popping up well, on Netflix. They're so bad. It's hilarious, man. But his his martial arts are not real. I mean, I guess it's a real type of martial art, but it's so specific. It's like this is a martial art used in the 14th century to disarm Japanese swordsmen. And that's like, true. Like the one thing he learned, he made a career out of it. But watching it now with like a 70 year old obese man, <laughs> like moving people's fists still in these movies. I mean, it is. It's hilarious, dude. I I just kind of want to see him now. I want to see a movie where like the the thing he fights is just the common cold, <laughs> and it's just him getting out of bed. Um, I don't know that that could be funny. When you watch, like I'll watch Jackie Chan movies and be amazed. The stuff that he does in his movies, like I, you remember that one? I can't remember which one it is, but there's like the one where he's fighting in the ladder and he's jumping in and out of the ladder. And think rush either rush hour or rumble and if you watch that and then just watch any steven seagal movie you're like oh my god dude what was what were we thinking and it's like it, I, well he he had the the typical look of like an 80s 90s movie villain with the ponytail but he was a good guy and i think that's i like imagine being a pa on set just you know <laughs> just being in his presence it would be really or watching him eat He's supposed to be a real piece of shit in real life too. So, speaking of pieces of shit, Glenn Foley, about them jets. Yeah. Foley. Well, you. So, how much research did you do? We should mention to the audience that this is our second take. I feel like it's fair to let them know. We were definitely like two moms trying to figure it out. Like, can you hear me? Can, yeah, Hi. can I hear Hi. you? <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, it's humiliating. I, I'm, that's the reason I did my first remote podcast with you because we're friends and have been friends for a long time is I do feel humiliated that the first take didn't go. But because you've been humiliated in front of me many times and vice versa, it's just another in the long line of humiliations. Yeah, I mean, that that message came quick after I sent you everything. And um, yeah, it's like a circle of humiliation, which would also be a good name for mankind, maybe a fifth character. <laughs> Dude, he's by the time this podcast is over, uh, he's going to have a, a treasure trove of new names. Glenn Foley. That's what I wanted to ask you. You did some. Uh, you did some research on our man Glenn. What did you? What did you find? Uh well, f firstly, um, he is a South Jersey guy. Hell yeah, Cherry Hill. Hell yeah. So like, definitely like close to Philly. When you watch him talk now, he definitely does have that Philly, you know, Philly thing to him. Um, but seventh round pick, and like he got drafted. Like he got to play for. Shit! What the Richie Richie Cotite when they were terrible, oh, yeah, and then he yeah. was there for when Parcells took over. Um, so it wasn't like and and you know he had a good offense. Um, it just when he got drafted, Boomer Sison was still playing, so he had to kind of wait his turn. And then, I mean, he only had eight career starts, but season of '98 he started. And if you watch the highlights, I like that most of his career highlights are just like it's half of that game. 
and then one other game where he threw like 14 completions in a row. But he threw for like 400 yards on that opening day, and then, then he got hurt, and Testaverde took over, and then that was that. So there's two there's two games. There's the game, the season opener against the 49ers that the Jets lost that he played well in. And then there's the game he came in relief the season prior. So the 97 season, he relieved whoever the quarterback was and threw 14 straight completions and came back against the Patriots. Parcells came in in 98, right? Do I have that right? No. Um, 97, because they went 1-15 in 15 or something, or 96 maybe. Because they got Keyshawn, oh, maybe, like, 97 was his first year. They went 1-15, and then they got Keyshawn that draft, I think, because um, he was number one overall pick. Yeah. Oh, and he was also a part of the team when Belichick um, took the coaching job and then, you know, kind of, like, ghosted them. Oh, yeah. But was that Did he do that for to leave for Cleveland or to leave for um, New England? New England. So he was with Cleveland got the head coaching job for the Jets and then took off a week later. Yeah. And nobody and nobody includes that as part of like the story of Belichick is that he's like a malcontent that screwed over the Jets. But if it's a player, you're always like this is the guy that sat out a season or whatever. Yeah, he's not loyal, he doesn't yeah. But I guess you know what in Belichick's favor it worked out for him. Of course, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in a big way. I mean, I get that's like that's like when announcers are like someone strikes out and the next guy hits a home run. They're like that could have been a two run home run. It's like, yeah, dude, didn't you watch the butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher? Like shit changes when something in the world. Like it doesn't. The it doesn't mean just if Belichick had stayed with the Jets, the Jets could have still sucked and Bill Belichick could be selling real estate right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the Jets. I feel like until you know, there's new owners, uh, are kind of cursed. Yeah, you just gotta wait till the the guy is the guy close to death. They it's the uh, the Johnsons, so they own Johnson and Johnson, which I believe does like pharmaceuticals and all that stuff. So they might, you know, <laughs> they're gonna live forever. They might know your family in Boston. Uh, yeah, they might, but you don't know if that you don't know how old the guy is because that's that's the key is just somebody has to die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly exciting to see, um, you know, what the Mets are doing where they have an owner. Uh, that is truly invested in the team. And, you know, his press conference was great. And it, it was what you would hope to see from an owner, not someone like, you know, we've had the conversation before this podcast, just as football fans, like, you know, Jerry Jones, Dan Snyder, like those guys, the head of the snake, you know, they're if they're the head of the snake, then the rest of the body doesn't matter because there's nothing they can really do. They just, I think they over-involve themselves and they, they don't know enough about what they're doing. And they want to do everything themselves. But there's – yes, that's true, and I we agree on on that. I'm, I mean I've lived in D, I lived in D.C. Uh, in high school. All my family is from that area from on my mom's side. So I'm very familiar with the dysfunction of uh, whatever, Redskins, Washington football team, all that stuff. But there might be another end of the spectrum where if the owner is too much of a fan that it could – like if somebody just buys a team and they're like – Dude, this is awesome. I just met Carlos Beltran. He's like, he's really strong. I'd be like, we're gonna go 0 and 16. Oh my god. Like that would that would mess with me if they're like you have to have some level of what, like Steve Cohen just being in the locker room, like while they're all out of the shower. Like, Jacob, you did a great job pitching. <laughs> really, really good. Your slider was great. You can't be people's friend. Like I've no I, I have a little experience of being people's boss. Um, just when we shot um my pilot. And a job I had back in New York, 
where it's like if you're the person in charge, you don't need to be a dick or anything, but you have to have like a little bit of separation. You definitely can't look up to the players that you're employing, and you can't buddy buddy with them. You have like it in a way. It's good for there to be like a little bit of mystique with how you are. So if you just open up and you're like, oh my god, I I can't believe it. All their wives are so hot. This is so cool. Like they're they're not gonna respect you. There's a fine line to walk between like don't be a tyrant like Jerry Jones or don't run your organization like a Hooters like Dan Snyder. But there's another way where it's like you can't be too much of a fanboy, even though it's probably the coolest thing in the world to own a sports team. I like I fantasize like I was at the Outer Banks a couple weeks ago in my you know trip around the East Coast that I'm on right now, and the whole time I was like. If I had a lot of money, I put a minor league baseball team in the Outer Banks. I'm like, I put it here because this is where the there's enough space for a parking lot. And like, I, I was like googling the population of Outer Banks versus other like single and double A towns. You could totally do it. Or or inherit one. One of my uh, favorite, like, uh, I mean, there were so many good uh, sports movies uh, when we were growing up. But Little Big League, when the kids, you like Little, so so, it's just fun. You're watching it as a kid. It's like every kid's dream to own a baseball team and, and yeah. be a coach. Uh, and then you have, oh, what the hell is his name? The guy with the red hair. Oh, Timothy something. The guy that plays Lou Collins, the first baseman that's dating his mom. Yeah, uh, Timothy Busfield. Timothy Busfield. That, there you go. I, I thought, I mean, uh, uh, if you compare it to Rookie of the Year and other you know baseball movies, it's definitely not on that tier, but it's still very enjoyable. You know who directed Rookie of the Year? Daniel fucking Stern, baby. Hell yeah. And he's so, he's so good in that role. It's like uh, uh, he steals every scene yeah. that he's in as Rigma, that crazy pitchy coach. I will agree with you that it they're like on like I said, completely different tiers. I mean, you can't compete with the trope of like, well, I guess they did it in a little big league too, right? The aging, the aging superstar. Actually, and then both of them wind up fucking the mom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I yeah. Although I think it's um also come on, dude. The the aging superstar in rookie of the year is Gary Busey. How funny is it to watch Gary Busey be like the love interest in a movie? It's uh, dude, rookie of the year is a full bring in the Bringing the backups gives its audience a full recommend for a rookie beer rewatch. You're gonna love it. And that's when he started just to just started getting crazy. So I probably imagine that he really thought. Sorry, there's street sweeping going on in my corner. Um, they. The, <laughs> I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. This is something I've noticed when I talk to my friends from New York, because my family used to call me when I lived in New York, and they would be like, "What the hell is going on behind you?" I'd be like, "Oh, whatever. It's it's fine. I'm sure you can hear me." Now when I call my friends in New York, it sounds like two Transformers fisting each other. <laughs> and you don't realize how insane it is that I can see sirens against the reflection of your glasses right now. It, yeah, with that sound uh, Oh, yeah, what, he was just getting crazy. So he probably actually thought he was a baseball player. Just being like two method, taking yeah. it way too seriously. Like, ref, like when they would call cut, he'd this, be like, I'm not – I'm not coming out of the game. Yeah, yeah. In reality, you're just an oatmeal brain psycho. Speaking of oatmeal brains, um, Glenn Foley. Oh. 
This is a good segue because his brain is fucked up, man. Probably, dude. I... And rule of threes. That's that's the last segue. Uh, no, but it's um he was one of the players that um like hundreds like in the early two thousands, maybe mid two thousands that sued the NFL for negligence and uh I think his his wife or ex wife like his apparently like once he like had all these head injuries like it ruined his marriage and um his wife would say that I would send him to the grocery store with a, with a grocery list and he couldn't find the list he didn't know what to get he didn't even know that he was at the grocery store but if you watch him now which we both have watched his YouTube videos um he looks like he's doing a little better i hope man i hope he's uh he does a lot of like youtube videos uh ripping into current nfl quarterbacks when i watch glenn foley he goes so hard to into the paint all right can we play can we play a little game sure let's play a game all right i'll just give you a quarterback or i'll give you someone to talk about as glenn foley okay all right uh glenn what do you think of Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold's a piece of shit, all right? They should gut him and disembowel him like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. He can't read a five-yard out. Oh, one eleven, No excuses. Suck it. That's literally how he analyzes quarterbacks now. That's, pre that's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. Hi. You may be wondering why I'm interrupting my own podcast to speak over an ambient meditative soundscape. It's because I'm losing my shit right now. And this is the only way I won't freak out. The fucking internet just went out in the middle of my interview with Gary Denoya. And while he's doing a great job on the podcast and has been a fantastic guest, I believe the technical difficulties on this episode make it nearly unlistenable. But there's nothing I can do about that now. All I can do now is breathe. In and out. I called my brother to let him know how frustrated I was. and He let me know Joe Rogan uses the same recording equipment that I do for a remote podcast. And I was like, well, Joe Rogan just got... A hundred million dollars from Spotify, and all he has to do is pretend like Milo wasn't on his show. I'm doing this by myself. Thanks, dude. <sighs> we'll get back to the end of the interview with Gary in just a moment, but for now, I wanted to let you know that I'm sorry. I'm sorry this podcast pretty much sounds like shit for the last 20 minutes. I'll do better next time. But all I can do now is own where I am, walking on the road that is my journey in podcasting. And when I release this, it will enter the sea of other podcasts to hopefully be eaten by a shark. Because I think it sucks. No offense to Gary. I, like, he's top notch. But I fucked this one up. Just breathe. Eric, this is probably the most now we're cha recording. challenging podcast, just like being an NFL quarterback. We've had some ups. We've had some downs. 
No, this is what happened. Let, let, tell the audience what happened, Gary. We recorded a podcast yesterday for 45 minutes that isn't usable. I called you back to re-record it today. The internet crapped out. I called you back a third time. We talked for 10 minutes just now, and I didn't hit the record button. And now I've hit record, and we're signing off. Let the audience know, because some of these people out there are thinking about starting a podcast. Let me give you some advice. Don't. A career-wise, uh, humiliating experience for me. Well, you know, Eric, I think that embodies the spirit of the podcast and backup quarterbacks. Like, you can't give up. Uh, one day, the other backup uh, quarterback podcast, they're going to get injured. And then you will ascend to the ranks and reign supreme. Stop trying to be inspirational, all right? The podcast sucks, and the people that listen to it know that it sucks, all right? So let's just get out of here. Gary, thank you for being on the show, man. Anything you want to tell the people about the work you're doing right now where they can find you? Um, I just do characters, impressions, videos every day on Instagram at Paraginoia. That's it. I'm just yeah, – dude, this was fun, man. But no matter what happens, we got to talk to each other two days in a row. I don't uh, think that's happened since our improv days. It probably hasn't, man. Uh, I like that we we still worked in the fact that we did improv for 10 years at the very end. We'll sign off on the fact that we both wasted our 20s getting really good at zip, zap, zop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good way to end it. Dude, I, I got I, I to say one more thing. I know I said this on the first take, but you you said you watched The Vow, right? Yes. Okay, so The Vow is – I've been talking about this on every episode of my podcast where they, they brand the pussies of women. Okay, it's a horrible cult, blah, blah, blah. But there's a clip in The Vow where someone is – or no, it's in Seduce. So another thing that's about the same cult, uh, this show called Seduced on HBO. There's a clip in there where they are literally talking about branding women, and a woman is describing what it's like to have that happen to her. And then the B-roll footage is the cult playing Zip Zap. <laughs> That's a real thing. I'm not making that up. It 100% is in the show. It's in episode two. Maybe it, that, instead of zip, zap, zop, it's like burn, burn, ice. <laughs> like with the fucking soldering iron. That's, oh man. How does that make you feel as an improv veteran? I think improv is a cult, so it seems it seems very reasonable that this would be a thing. I just I hope that, you know, they took it as seriously as as we did when we were when we were zip, zapping and zopping. I want to say this too. Improv is a cult, except for all my listeners who are listening because they knew me from improv or were my students. For you guys, not you, but everybody else, you're in a cult. Um, with that, Gary, thanks for doing my show, man. I know this was not the uh, the smoothest of experiences, but yeah, like I said, it was good to just chat with you. And uh, hopefully, I fuck up this take and we get another day to talk tomorrow. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm expecting a text message in like 20 minutes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. To hear more Bring in the Backups or help us grow, please subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a written five-star review. Or subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. For info on the show or how to see Eric live, visit erichelwig.com to hop on the newsletter.